Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast where I talk about living a creative and intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 59. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be back. I am sitting here with my lovely chipped anthropology mug that I wish I could buy another one of, but they don't have them anymore. And I am drinking some Trader Joe's organic blood orange Rubio's herbal tea blend, which is super yummy and will not make me jittery. I know I talk a lot about um, loose leaf tea. If you've been around here for a while, I'm a big advocate of really good quality loose leaf tea. If you don't like tea, it's probably because you've been drinking Lipton's your whole life. But I have to say that Trader Joe's has a fabulous selection of teas that are in tea bags, which sometimes, you know, it's just a little easier to grab um, a tea bag than to to do the whole uh, loose leaf tea thing. They also have some really great um, English breakfast tea, Irish breakfast tea that I often reach for in the morning if I'm feeling a little bit lazy. So I hope you have something warm or cold if you're in the southern hemisphere. Um, just something lovely to drink while we just settle in for a little chat between friends. I'm recording this on Sunday, November 1st, after our first... <laughs> of what is first and only, I hope, pandemic Halloween. How weird was that? Were people trick-or-treating where you were? We had not one single trick-or-treater. We weren't 100% sure about how we were going to handle it. If we did, we did have some candy. We thought about leaving it on the porch. We thought about all kinds of things. Ultimately, no one ever seemed to come around. So it was um, not really an issue. You know, on Facebook this morning, I have to say that I saw some moms with young kids. So my kids are too old to trick-or-treat. So, you know, like it just was not an issue for us. Um, But I saw some moms of younger kids saying, you know what? Kids dressed up. They had plenty of candy. We had a Disney Plus movie marathon. It was actually like the best Halloween ever. I hope it's always like this. And other people kind of chimed in like, yes, when did going to strangers' houses for candy become a thing? This is way better. And uh, I thought that was interesting. And it made me really wonder about how things might change into the future because of how we are having to um, adjust for, for what's happening with the pandemic right now. You know, we had a similar experience when my daughter graduated from college um, last, you know, well, actually, she technically graduated in March, but we didn't celebrate it until June. And we it was all online. And we watched it, we streamed it on a computer, and she wore a little hat <laughs> with a little cap and the whole deal. But we Um, heard every speech you know we didn't have to sit in the hot sun we didn't have to drive to it we were just like you know what that was a really nice graduation it wasn't what we had planned but you know what it was not bad Um, so I thought that was kind of you know it was kind of the same thing like you know maybe some of these things that we're doing now might persist Um, I'll tell the story a little bit in the later in the homemaking section but my husband and I went and we bought a new washing machine yesterday and we went to this town Ventura which is a adorable um, beach town I would like to live there someday I think but so we I planned it so that we could have lunch while we were there because you know the Simple pleasures are few and far between right now. So I'm like, okay, because they have this really cute downtown um, Main Street area with just, they have so many good restaurants in that town. 
And um, so as we were driving there, I'm thinking, okay, like, let's, I want you to, I want to go to this restaurant. I can't even remember what it's called. Um, but I've taken the kids there and we really liked it. I think you would like it. And I was like, you know what though? This uh, area of Main Street in Ventura, it's like a, you know, like kind of like a real city. There's a lot of stores. There's just sidewalks. I'm like, I'm not sure there's really much outdoor dining at this place. So I'm not really sure how this is going to work, which was so naive of me. Because once we got down there, they have shut down all the traffic for a really big swath of Main Street. And they just built out, every restaurant just built out outdoor dining into the street and um, it would look really super cool if they kept it this way and everything was a little more uniform looking it was pretty funky and charming now because every restaurant created their own types of you know like picket fences or or um, potted plants whatever to sort of mark out their territory lots of umbrellas and then you know lots of tables and chairs and uh, so we walked it up and down and we ultimately picked a little um, kind of like a little brew club a brew pub type place um, that there was only one other table actually being used. We're like, these people need our help. It was a delicious lunch. And then we were talking to the waitress and I'm like, you know, I feel like you guys should leave it like this. She's like, I know. I feel like we should never go back. This is so much fun. It's so charming. Um, in California, you know, you really can eat outdoors all throughout the year. I mean, you know, maybe not when it's raining or whatever, but add some outdoor heaters and you are good to go. So that will be really fun because I know like in Santa Monica, they have a place called the Third Street Promenade, which is that way. There's no traffic. It's all pedestrian traffic only. And it's like the destination place in Santa Monica. Um, well, besides maybe the pier, but I'm like, we need to recreate this in Ventura because this was so much fun. So so we will see how this, how this moves forward. Um, but, you know, so I'm just, what I'm trying to say is maybe there will be some good things that come out of this crazy, crazy 2020. But it is November and the weather's starting to cool off. Even if it gets hot during the day, it gets cold at night. And that's what we love in California. Warm days, cool nights, um, which makes it a little more um, plausible that I might make soup for dinner. I've got some soup on the menu for this week. And just like, I'm just ready to, to kind of cruise into the fall winter vibe. Before we dive into the quilting, I'd like to take this opportunity to once again thank the Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring the podcast. Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. And I really think I'm going to need to try some cross-stitch here. There are so many adorable patterns out right now. Join the Fat Quarter Shop for their 14th annual Designer Mystery Block of the Month Club. This quilt will leave you with a sugar rush with 12 sampler blocks by designers from Moda Fabrics to sweeten the deal. Each block finishes at 12 inches square and features strawberries in a rhubarb fabric, the collection by Fig Tree Quilts from Moda Fabrics, and it is lovely. This club is perfect for beginners all the way up to experienced quilters. It runs from June 2021 to May 2022 and ships around the 10th of every month. I'll put a link in the show notes. They also have the 2021 Designer Mystery Finishing Kit and Backing Set that are available separately. You can get all three to make the entire quilt, which finishes at 66.5 inches by 84.5 inches, a great size. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes. On to quilting. You know, I was so close to having another finished quilt top to brag about today. It is just two or three seams short of a finished quilt top. 
and it has been sitting like that since about Tuesday of last week. I just, for whatever reasons, have not been able to um, get back to my sewing machine. As I've talked about before, the pattern is a free pattern called Brush Strokes. I'll put a link in the show notes, and it is a semi-improv quilt. And last podcast I was just starting to make it and I hadn't really gotten a full grasp of the pattern it is a very detailed free pattern you just have to sign up for um, her free newsletter and it's totally worth it and it is just a really fun quilt to make. Uh, she has it as a four color quilt. I used leftovers from, of my Paintbrush Studio painter, Painter's Palette solids from, from my last quilt. And I didn't have enough of four. I, I used six colors, um, but they're all very fall. Um, we've got, what do we have? A, a burgundy, a gold, a green, a gray. It's really pretty. And obviously I must have a couple more because there are six colors. I can't think right now. But... Um, she has you every there's 10 blocks and every block is a little bit different and she has you cut strips i'll put a link in the show notes so that you can see what i'm talking about but what's cool about it is there's background and then there's every block is just has one color so it's background in one color and she has you tells you how wide to cut the strips and then for the colored strips she has you once you've cut say it's a, a two and a half inch every, all the strips are eight inches and um and say she has you cut a two and a half inch. Then she has you cut at a diagonal um, from two and a half to two and a quarter. So there's just like a little quarter inch diagonal on it. And um, and that gives it a little bit of an improv wonky look. And then you can put the strips, the, the color strips and the background strips in different orders. So even though you have, say, eight of block five, because you put them together in different orders, they don't really look like like all the same block and then she does give you a layout I mean you could obviously lay this out however you wanted but I kind of followed her layout um, and then move things around based on how my color was balancing and, and things like that and it's a really fun easy way to be a little <laughs> just dip your toe into the uh, the water for improv and I'm almost done sewing it and now I'm going to piece the back I had fabric left over um, to where I did the, the, the whole front and I've got most of the back, but I did, um, I'm going to have to piece the back. And so I ordered a little more fabric and the best place to find, if you've ever, if you're looking for the paintbrush studio solids, um, they can be a little bit hard to find. They're available in a lot of Etsy shops, but also from pineapple fabrics. Um, and so I ordered from them, which I was happy to do because they sponsored the handpiece quilt along, but they have the whole line, which is really nice. So that is on my way. And I'm going to do just a little, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to piece the back. I think I might do a, use a lot of my leftover fabrics, even colors that aren't on the front and do a lengthwise strip top to bottom of just, um, I don't know, just blocks of color and then use my um, background on the, the left and right side of that and maybe set that that block of piece fabric maybe over three quarters of an inch over to the right or three quarters of the way over in the quilt to the right. I've done a few backs that way and I really like it. So um, yeah, so that's going to be done in the next week or so. I'll get that off to the long armor and boom, I've got another quilt. Now, I have been saying for a long time that I want to be a modern quilter. I want to be an improv quilter. And when I look at modern quilts, um, it's not usually the improv ones that resonate with me. And I, I have this, what, the improv handbook 
um, improv, improv Quilters Handbook. I'll put a link in the show notes. I've talked about it many times. It's a great book for exercising your creativity. Theoretically, I actually still have never, I've read it like a gazillion times. I haven't done like any of the exercises yet. But what I realized that personally, on the modern side of things, the use of negative space, the use of solids, which is really hard for me actually, um, the clean lines, the um, non-grid-based quilt designs, these are the things that appeal to me about modern quilts. The wonky improv thing does not appeal as much. Um, I think it's a little chaotic and I mean I love this quilt and I'm glad that I made it but I think it kind of reinforced that I need to um, try some different kinds of modern quilting not just improv style like for instance I reviewed a book not long ago called modern curves and bold stripes and it's a very modern um, you know style of quilts and but but they're not really improv and I'm thinking that that something like that might need to be my next uh, step into modern quilting before I can start like even messing around with my own just to kind of figure out what my aesthetic was so this was a great quilt it was so fun to do easy to watch tv and sew um, although I did do a whole bunch of cutting wrong do you cut your quilts all at once at the beginning I never do because you know what I make mistakes (laughs) And even as I was cutting all these strips, I was thinking, you know, I don't remember having to cut so many before. <laughs> and and I was just, instead of like cutting one strip of each color, I was cutting six, which really messed me up later on because a lot of my strips were too narrow and I had to do some fancy footwork. But anyways, um, yeah, it was fun quilt to make and I cannot wait to um, to get it all done and bound and and show it to you. My next quilt... I think will not be a modern one. I might go back to my roots a little bit. Um, I've been getting a lot of requests lately for, um, or hearing back from people. I have a free pattern on my blog um, that I made when I worked with the line Loyal Heights, and it's an uneven Irish chain. It is the simplest quilt in the world. And when I made it for a blog hop, I had a complete identity crisis, if you guys were listening back then, about whether or not like this was just way too simple of a quilt to to use for a blog hop. But the reason I did it is I I had a very small amount of fabric to work with. So I wanted something that had a lot of background and I'd always wanted to do an Irish chain and this is an uneven Irish chain. So there's just a little something different about it. But I put, I had so many requests for it, for a pattern, which I was surprised because it's just like one simple nine patch block alternating with an empty block. (laughs) But, But people wanted instructions. So I did the most bare bones free pattern And I'm thinking about using Minky Kim's new idyllic line and making another one of those um, because I gave that quilt away. Um, It's funny, as I mature in my quilting and I make quilts that I like much better and have better fabric and better choices, I'm in this period of my life where I'm giving a lot of quilts away. And they're sometimes really hard to give away. But I gave that one to my best friend. And so that was that was fun. Um, but I'm thinking about just making another one to have around here. Although we are officially starting to get to the point where we have just maybe too many quilts. Like I'm running out of places to store them. But that is a problem to be solved another day. So that's what I'm thinking about for my next quilt. I'm not 100% sure. Still 
still uh, kind of figuring that one out, but it is fun to to think about. And the other quilting thing I mentioned last time is there's going to be another hand piece quilt along. And um, Patty from Elm Street Quilts and I, we are, we've worked out the pattern and we've requested fabric. And so um, that's going to be um, my, my big stitching project here coming up because it takes a long time <laughs> to put those sample quilts together. Um, and also I've been, um, hand quilting the last the book club hand piece quilt along quilt and that has been really fun and I just wanted to talk about that for a second my favorite needles for hand piecing are from um, I don't know how to say her name I want to say like I don't know if it's Gianna or Gina Kimball's foxglove cottage and she has these skinny long needles called straw needles um, I use a size 11. I maybe should go back to a 10 because they can be really hard to um, to thread, to be honest with you, because they have pretty small eyes, but they're really long, skinny needles. I love to use them for hand piecing, um, where like Ginny Byers would tell you to use a between, which is a thick, short needle. And, um, but I, I just like, it's, you know, you got to do what you got to do, right? I did teach myself to use a between needle for hand quilting because, um, you just bend those long skinny needles too easily. You need a little stout, a short stout needle for hand quilting. And I was just, you know, perusing um, the website and the Facebook group for the Foxglove Cottage. And she demonstrates in a video on that Facebook page, which I don't think I can really put a link in the show notes to, I'll try, where she talks about how she uses her long, a, a number 10 straw needle for hand quilting and how she does it um, where it doesn't bend the needle and it's a real stab down stab motion. I think she mostly does one at a time. I, I know I can't remember, but I was like, okay, the next time I need to thread a needle, which um, I haven't had to do since I watched this video, I'm going to try that. Um, so that's kind of interesting because I always thought, ah, I cannot use my beloved long skinny needles for hand quilting. And I don't know, they just feel better in my hand. I feel like I have more control if I have more leverage on the needle. I'm not really sure. But, uh, so anyways, I will try to find, if you're not on Facebook, that's not going to, a link to a Facebook <laughs> video is not going to help you, but I will try to find it just in case you, like me, if you have done any hand quilting and you find short needles really awkward, it might be a, another option for you. Let's move on to books, which has a big overlap with quilting this week, because I've got some books I really want to talk about um, that are quilting related. The first one is called The Foolproof Color Workbook. And a few episodes back, I talked about the Foolproof Color Wheel Set, which is like a, a book with a color wheel with these uh, black circles with areas cut out on them that you put on top of the color wheel to help you find um, complementary colors, analogous colors, triads, all the different types of color theory combinations. And, and I have used that so many times. As a matter of fact, when Patty and I were talking about, um, for this quilt pattern that we've uh, designed for the handpiece quilt along, how we wanted to color it for, um, you know, for the pattern, you know, where you do it in just you know, like a three color quilt kind of a thing. So I got that little sucker out and we just found a three color combination that kind of spoke to me and said, oh, let's let's do go with these three colors. So that's super handy, especially if you feel a little color challenged, like I have admitted to, to feeling in the past. So this is one step, you know, even further down that trail. Um, so it's, it's a color workbook. And it also teaches you about color theory in it, like you might expect. So we talk about 
hue, which is just another name for color, um, primary color, uh, secondary colors, tertiary colors, things like that. But here's the fun part of this is where, you know, there are lots of color wheel, color theory books out there. This is where this book differs. Um, if you are into adult coloring books, or if you thought you might be into adult, adult coloring books, this would be so perfect because this is full of coloring pages um, for you to practice these different color theories, ide color theory ideas on things that basically look like quilts. So you can play around with them and um, do that whole Zen meditative adult coloring thing, but also be sort of educating yourself for your next quilt. So um, here's an example and I'll maybe take a picture. I did a little video, but I didn't really like it. So I don't think I'm going to share it, um, but maybe I'll take a picture of the book because they have like basically a, a, a beautiful, very kind of complicated outline of a quilt on one page and then tell you to experiment with color. And they give you some examples of cool quilts and warm quilts and, and how to mix them together and things like that. And then um, in other another section, they have um, another very cool kind of medallion-y looking quilt. I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure it's really a quilt, but it, it gives you that vibe. And they tell you to try out um, doing a direct complement color scheme. And they give you like a bunch, like six different pages where you can try six different color combos um, on them. So like here they even show you in the corner and they're actually showing you um, what it would look like if you if you did that combo in the in the color wheel book but like a green and purple combo a red and green combo a purple and orange combo and i would photocopy these and because i'm not i'm not going to color in this book isn't that terrible um but yeah so yeah there's a purple and yellow so pretty and then here's an, the same quilt and oh, no, it's a different it's a different quilt design yeah it's a different quilt block design and um, they have you practice coloring with a triad color scheme or a split complement and it just goes through all these different ways of um, using color theory oh, what's this called is that a double I'm gonna it's called a double complement um, and they tell you, you know, they even have a little legend for which colors to try on which pages, which is really fun. So anyways, um, the foolproof color workbook, I'm definitely going to buy myself some nice colored pencils and going to make some photocopies and play around with this um, just as my kind of relaxing time. So I would definitely recommend that. Another book that is coming out and I have not seen it yet but I will put the video for it in the show notes it's called Harriet's Journey and I'm hoping to get my hands on this book pretty soon it's from CNT Publishing and it is the book if you read Jennifer Cheverini's Elm Creek quilt novels there is a one of them called Circle of Quilters and I'm rereading that book right now once I found out that this book called Harriet's Journey was coming out. So in Circle of Quilters, there is a character named Maggie who, um, is, who finds a quilt, a really beat up antique quilt at a garage sale and buys it for like five bucks. And she gets it home and realizes that it, it's a, a sampler quilt with a hundred unique blocks. And it just, it sort of comes into her life at the right time. And she doesn't really know anything about quilting, but she learns and, and she works at a, like a nursing home or a retirement um, 
place where there is a group of quilters. So they kind of help her learn the skills that she needs. And she basically drafts the pattern for these 100 blocks and she remakes the quilt and she teaches herself. She does it all by hand. She does it all hand piecing. And um, she takes this experience and kind of turns it into teaching classes. And like she's kind of known, it's very much in my opinion, like a Dear Jane quilt. But she she does a lot of research about who the quilter was and what her story was. And her name was Harriet something. And um, so this book came out a long time ago, like maybe 10 years ago. But um, just now they have made a book that has these 100 quilt blocks imagined. And there's a pattern for them. And the, the video for it is really fun because there's obviously, they give some examples of some very traditional ones, you know, with some very traditional fabrics and um, other ones that, you know, so if making a hundred unique blocks that are both pieced and applique is overwhelming. Here are some examples of a table runner or a smaller quilt. Just pick your favorite blocks. And if you think, oh, I'm a modern quilter, this does not apply to me. Here's a version made in solids with a totally modern vibe. So it kind of can appeal to, to everyone. So I'll put a link in there, but it just seems so fun. And I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. And um, I don't know, maybe that'll be a 2021 thing. The book doesn't come out, it comes out on Christmas Day. Um, perfect thing to request for Christmas, which is what I will probably do. Um, but um, yeah, to make it like a 2021 project, you know, that would be really fun. There's a hundred, yeah, that's a lot of blocks in a year, you know, maybe it'll be a two year <laughs> project. I'm not sure. But um, so Harriet's Journey and the accompanying book Circle of Quilters by Jennifer Chevrini has been, I, I read it before, I read all her um, Elm Creek quilt novels and I love them. Um, and so anyway, so that, that's been occupying my time recently. And what's fun for me about the fact that they came out with this pattern book of this quilt is it reminds me of when I read the first, when I discovered quilt fiction and I read the first Jennifer Cheverini Elm Creek quilt book, which is called The Quilter's Apprentice, um, the, the main character, Sarah, is, is being taught to quilt by the other main character, Sylvia. And, um, is that her name? I hope so. And um, so they talk about, okay, so this, I, I can't remember um, what they are, but, you know, here's a nine patch. We're going to start with a nine patch. And here's a, I remember um, one of the, the blocks is a Lemoyne star. I just totally remember that. But, you know, she, each, as the, the book progresses, they, she teaches her a different block. And as I was reading it, I would go search on the internet to find out what that looked like. I didn't know what a, I was a new quilter, didn't know what a Lemoyne star looked like. And I created like a word document where I would paste images of each of these blocks in so that by the end of the book, I kind of had this idea of what the quilt would look like. Since then, they have come out like that now is also a pattern book, you know, lots of these, um, the quilts that are talked about in these novels are now patterns, but they weren't at that point. And so, um, but so that was kind of a fun little research project that I did back, back in the day. Oh, and lastly, I did finally make it through, oh, what's the name of that book now? Madly Truly Guilty, I think it was called, that I have been bemoaning for the last three podcasts, I think. It's a book by Leanne um, Moriarty. And I listened to it as an audiobook, and I was just like, I don't like these people. I don't think anything's going to happen. I, I, for some reason, dug my heels in and decided I was going to get through this book. And I did. And, you know, I, it's not a great book, to be honest with you. The whole thing that happens at the barbecue, like the whole thing is, the whole book is about 
the day of the barbecue. Um, and you're always going back to that day where this big thing happens. And, you know, I suppose if it had happened to me, it would have been a big thing. But as a reader, I was like, eh, I'm not sure this was enough to base a book on. But here's what I wanted to pass on about that. I was listening to it on Libby, um, the, the app, because I had borrowed it from the library. And I'd kind of forgotten about this, but I just wanted to remind you that if you can listen to a book at greater than one time speed, you can really get through it a lot faster, obviously. Um, I can usually do 1.25 with no problem. It just kind of takes the pauses out. But I got to the point with this one where I could listen to it at 1.5 speed and it, it, there's no like real distortion or anything like that. And that really helped me get through that book, let me tell you. So anyways, if you've never experimented with speeding up your audiobooks or podcasts even, um, then you might try that because it, it does uh, help you get through things a little bit faster. All right. Let's talk a little bit about um, TV and movies. So last night was Halloween and my husband really wanted to watch like a horror movie and I do not like horror movies. I'm not sure who he thought he married, <laughs> but they are not my thing. Um, but we, were, we tried to put on Halloween. We only really had one other kid that was interested in watching something like that with us. We tried Halloween, which was like free on the Roku channel. And then there were commercials and we were like, nope, not going to do commercials. So that we didn't get very far with that one. And I know I didn't really like that movie anyways. I, I saw it when I was a teenager. And then we moved on to like, okay, what could we do that's like a little less intense? We literally put on The Addams Family. That got boring very quickly. Ultimately, we watched... Jordan Peele's Get Out, which I've never watched a Jordan Peele movie, and my daughter was saying it's um, it's kind of in the horror genre, but it wasn't really a horror movie. It was actually really good. It won Best Screenplay in 2017. So if you watch the movie Parasite, which I talked about, um, I don't know, the beginning of the pandemic, I feel like, the vibe of it reminded me of that. It's a movie that starts out, it's just a compelling, good story that just feels a little creepy here and there. Um, and then it doesn't really turn, you know, it's not like one of those things where people are jumping out at you. I mean, there's some violence at the end um, and there's language, I will tell you. There's there's uh, a lot of F words in this one in Get Out. Um, but it was a good story. It was a good story. And I, I was like, okay, like that, I could get behind that kind of, it's not my normal kind of movie, but on Halloween, I could do that. So that was kind of fun. I am, um, believe it or not, I am still watching McLeod's Daughters. <laughs> I am in the last season. It has jumped the shark. It is like, I should let it go at this point. I really should. But I have just like the last half of the last season to watch. And so I'm just gonna do it it's like that book it's like that book from uh, truly madly guilty i'm just i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna finish it check that box um, but that has been such a delightful ride i've talked about it incessantly you're probably sick of hearing about it but probably the most exciting out of all of this is that this is us is back on did you catch that oh my gosh um it started out with like a, a two, I think it was a two hour season premiere i watch on a hulu with no commercials so it's less than two hours and um, I think it was fabulous. They, they really, they started off strong. Sometimes the first episode of a season can be kind of weird for them, like they try different things. But um, this one was really good. They kind of got, well, um, my friend Frances was saying that she had a little maybe PTSD about watching it because it starts 
um, kind of at the beginning of 2020 um, or, you, you know, like at the beginning of the virus where, so you have to live through them reliving all the things like, oh yeah, they say there's this virus and oh, it's getting more serious and, and what school is closed and what Tom Hanks has it. And, you know, like just, you know, all those kinds of things. And then you go through the George Floyd. So they, they really kind of catch you up in, in the world so that you know that they have not been living on another planet. Um, but they, um, we visited some storylines of the past and the, the storyline with Randall, uh, the Sterling K. Brown character, is always the best. But uh, so, yeah, so that show, Not Jump the, not jump the Shark. <laughs> and I'm super, super happy uh, to have some, some fresh TV, you know, fresh show back, back in the rotation. So check out This Is Us. Um, if you've not watched This Is Us, what are you waiting for? It is a fantastic show. It's so well written. The way they handle time going back in time and forward in time and revisiting storylines or in time frames where you thought you already knew everything but you really didn't um, it's just it's in my opinion masterful storytelling let's move on to the homemaking segment a couple episodes back um, I had an episode where I talked about the Sunday basket um, from Organize 360 and I'm still using that go back and listen to that that was on episode 57 at the end where I really kind of do a bit of a deep dive into what the Sunday basket is. It is a way to um, batch a lot of your to-dos to make you do them more efficiently and a kind of in a way like a filing system to help you um, keep track of all those little bits of paper, all those little ideas that you can just get down on paper so that you have an, a, a organized regular way to review them on a weekly or monthly basis so that you don't have to keep stuff in your head and you can relax knowing that you have captured all these random thoughts. And if you are anything like me, I'm having random thoughts all the time. <laughs> so it is so nice to just, I just have this little stack of paper that I just cut out of scratch paper and I just jot things down and I throw them in the Sunday basket all week. And then when I get to, I usually honestly do it on Saturdays, um, and just go through them. You know what? I throw like a third of them away because I'm like, what was I thinking? But I had to get out of my head or I would just continue to um, kind of spin out on it, you know? Um, so I, uh, but I wanted to kind of talk a, a little bit more about the Sunday basket concept um, and how it could pertain to quilting. Um, so she has Sunday baskets for, for um, handling, um, just all your to-dos of running a home and taking care of yourself and your family. She also has a very similar concept called a Friday work box for people. Um, it's, it's more for the work side of things. And I don't, I don't use it there, but um, she also describes that. And you can use a Sunday basket the same way, but for passion projects like quilting, for instance. So here is how I'm adapting the Sunday basket idea for quilting. So with the Sunday basket, um, she has color co color coded folders. She calls them slash pockets. And, um, you know, like she has one, the green one, for instance, that, you know, you can use them for whatever you want. But that one, she says, you know, a lot of people use that for money. I don't need like five pockets to manage money. <laughs> We're just not that complicated. But that is a perfect place. So I use those for quilting. And I've got, um, the, the, they're labeled for different things for, you know, projects that I want to try for, for my whips. So it's just a way to, um, kind of 
have all those little thoughts in one place so that the next time that I want to, you know, like, what is my next quilt project? I have, you know, been keeping a running list of the projects that I want to try or the fabric that I want to use or the new techniques. Um, I've got a place to capture all of that. It's a good place to keep um, patterns, um, you know, especially, you know, patterns that you want to try coming up. So you, I don't know if you're, you're like me, sometimes I pin them, but sometimes I find things and like, it's a free pattern. I will just print it out and I need a place to keep that so that it's there when I want to use it. And that's where I can be like walking around my sewing space going, I know I printed that out. I don't really want to waste the paper again. So, you know, so it, it just helps you stay more organized. So again, Sunday basket concept with, from Organize 360, go, go check that out. In the homemaking segment this time, I'm gonna be a little all over the place because that's where my brain has been lately. Uh, back a year or so ago, I had a kind of recurring segment about tackling nagging items and like what can you uh, knock out this week that is going to um, just take the weight off of your shoulders. And um, I had kind of a buildup of those because of, you know, the of quarantine and lockdown and things like that. We just weren't, you know, doing things that weren't really essential, right? But, you know, it's time to start doing these things. So um, in the last couple of weeks, I finally had the carpets cleaned, which was, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> they really, really needed to be done. So that was one of the, the nagging things that I checked off the list. And um, from a virus standpoint, it was all very easy because we just got out of their way. <laughs> <laughs> and they just came and, and, and did their thing and I paid electronically and they were out. So, um, you know, I remember I, I canceled um, some carpet cleaning at the beginning, uh, like in March. Um, and that was back when we were very, very concerned about um, picking the virus up from touching things. And um, now that that, you know, we, fear is a bit alleviated, I feel like we can do some of these things. And I realized in retrospect, like, what are they really touching? They're just the carpet, like, not a big deal. So anyway, so that felt really good. We have needed a new washing machine for a while. For some weird reason, the top part of my very nice, expensive washer just like rusted out. And to the point where now it's like, it's getting rust stains on things, it's ruining things. And I had a note to, that I had pinned up inside my, my kitchen bulletin board. One time when we had that washing machine serviced, the guy said, the next time you, wa you buy a washing machine, buy a speed queen and you will never regret it. So I literally wrote speed queen. And that was probably five years ago. It's just been sitting inside there. And so I did a little research. Um, I think I've told you that I'm in this Facebook group for the um, Sorta Awesome podcast and it's called Sorta Awesome Hangout. And man, this is just a group of people who just do life together. Just we talk about lipstick and clothes and the best shoes and the best purses and things like that have been the best washing machines. And there are so many fans of the brand Speed Queen, which is the brand that they use in laundromats. And um, so we found a place. That's why we were in Ventura, a little family-owned appliance store. And we went in and looked at them. I'm going to be honest with you. They are just the ugliest washing machines you've ever seen. You know what? They look like the washing machines of your childhood, which is not, I mean, we didn't think those were that ugly. But now, you know, they look all space age, right? So it is, it's, it's not a cheap washing machine, um, but it comes with a seven-year warranty. And I said, I asked the guy, like, you know, how long can I expect this to last? He's like, 
this could easily last you 15 years, which is exactly what I want in a washing machine. I'm tired of re-buying appliances. And when people find you've had them, oh, you've had those for six years. Well, what do you expect? Of course you need a new one. I um, I feel like my parents bought a washing machine and I had one washing machine my entire life. They lasted for like 20, 30 years. So um, anyways, so I'll let you know they are on back order as everything is weirdly. So I'll let you know how those pan out. But um, it's just old-fashioned. It's got an agitator. <laughs> and um, it, it does use less water because I think you have to do that these days. But, oh, my gosh, I remember uh, my friend's father-in-law said when the whole the HE washers, you know, started the high efficiency where you they don't use very much water and they, you know, use a tablespoon of, of um dish you know washing liquid he's he was like in my day we got things clean with soap and water and now you're telling me that these washing machines don't really need much of either i don't really understand how things are getting clean and to be honest with you i don't either and i'm not really sure they have been so um we're kind of back to the old-fashioned washing methods and um and i don't know kind of excited about uh you know getting a new washer and seeing how this all goes so also yesterday, um, I reintroduced the power hour. This is something that Gretchen Rubin talks about, um, where you kind of keep track of those little nagging things um, that can be done anytime. So they, they sort of never get done because there's not a deadline on them. And I kind of had a running list and said, okay, I'm just going to knock these. I did not even take an hour. It was probably 20 minutes replacing a battery in our little temperature gauge that's outside because I've, we have one of those things where you, you know, there's a gauge outside and inside you can see how cold it is outside. And um, we are all very dependent on that reading. And you don't really know that until it goes out. So I replaced that battery, replaced the, you know, the water filter in the refrigerator, all the, the car registration tags, like all those little things that have just were kind of piling up. And it feels so good. You feel so efficient. And it all took like about 20 minutes. So I encourage you make a little list of what are these nagging items um, that I can do and just block out an hour for it and and get it done and it is just um, you know it just takes the load off your shoulders the last thing I want to talk about where are we time-wise okay today is also a it's not homemaking it's just life it's a it's a uh, what is it it's an Instagram account and a probably a way yes it's a website too it's called fashion fix MN it's which is Minnesota um, and this is a woman, I'll put a link in the show notes. She is, um, she's a personal stylist. And what is super cool about this account is this is a woman who, um, she's not a skinny mini. She is a mom of two young kids and she, she's like a size 16, uh, extra large top or sometimes double XL kind of top. So she's not, not a skinny mini. But what she does is she, um, well, she, you know, her, her job is to do these uh, styling appointments and she does them over Zoom for people. But she gives away so much information online. She has great Instagram stories where she will go to um, Costco, for instance, and she will buy a bunch of stuff and she will do this whole try-on thing and she will explain, this is the cool thing, she will explain 
why something works and why it doesn't. And she talks about like the style of sleeves. And if you are an apple shape that you don't want these dolman sleeves because it just makes you wider up here, you want a raglan sleeve. And if you are more pear shaped, then you're going to want a shirt that falls here. And, and this is how you're going to want to style it. And, and you, you know, just so many, um, she really understands body shapes and the silhouettes of clothes and why things work and why things don't, which honestly is something that I don't know a lot about. And um, so she's done, I've watched, I, she probably has them all saved in highlights, her trying for Costco, for Target. And here's what she does, which I think is super cool, is that she goes to Goodwill and she will pull and she will do a whole pull from Goodwill. And she actually goes to Goodwill and she buys for clients, um, which, you know, which I think is kind of an amazing thing these days to, to be able to do that, you know, like um, secondhand clothes, you know, not buying new all the time. And she finds the best stuff. I mean, she really knows what she's doing. Um, so she has a, um, a free download on her website, which is called like a wardrobe edit. I think the abbreviation is WEC. I don't know what the C is. It's a wardrobe edit where it's a checklist of, items that you should have that fall into certain categories. And and she's not really strict about color or things like that. She will actually say you need a um, a blouse, you know, she call it like a best color blouse. Like she's trusting you that you know what is your best color, but these are the styles um, that you, you know, you need one that's collared. You need a, you know, more of a soft one. You need one that's in a print and you need one that's in a basic solid. And, and, um, so I printed that out and I've been meaning to go through my, um, closet to kind of see where the holes are. And, you know, I've been kind of doing more of a capsule wardrobe thing, so I don't have a lot of clothes actually. So this will be kind of interesting. And I know that I've got some areas that need some improvement, but she has an, uh, again, probably saved in highlights and Instagram story where she goes through her closet with the wardrobe edit checklist and get, and just shows you for her like, okay, so for me, these are the four items. Um, for you, they might be different and it's just such useful information. So again, it's called um, Fashion Fix MN. And, um, and the best part about it for me is that she just is so accessible. It's so easy to look at these fashion bloggers that are just all size zeros and they're 25. And, um, I don't know how old this woman is. She might just be in her, in her thirties or something, but you know, she's got two small kids she's just very, very relatable. And she's so, so knowledgeable. She was apparently a personal shopper at Nordstrom for years. So she really, she knows her stuff. Well, I have talked on and on. I had one more topic to talk about, but I guess I'll save it for next time. I just, um, just as a teaser, um, I was just talk thinking about finishing out this year well and what's going to go into planning for 2020. I've talked about power sheets in the past and passion planner, and um, I just printed out the free printable from com the Commit 30 planner, which helps you really um, start small and um, commit to some sort of a, a habit or behavior or idea for 30 days. And they've got a great, um, you can print out um, from now through the end of year for free on their website. So you might wanna consider doing that. I did that this morning. So I'm gonna play around with that and I'll talk about it more next time. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I appreciate you guys so much. And I hope that you have a lovely week. 
You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, on Instagram as Kristen Esser, and please consider joining the Simple Handmade Every Day Facebook group so that we can keep the conversation going.